Call him Taker as he's reading tech on the tall. He is slim. He's the host of the Paper Keg Podcast. This is episode 147. Welcome to the show. Uh, Paperkeg.com. There's we, three fathers that talk about comic books on a podcast right now. That's what you're stepping into, for better or worse. We're simple. Simple man. And uh, we'll do a book club together to close out the show. Dark Horse Comics. Dale's Big Two. Matt Kent. Mind Management. Uh, welcome, welcome to our 146th episode ever. Big milestone. We did it. Big night tonight. It's like Monday AM. Maybe you're listening to this. Who knows what day it is right now. Jonesy loves beer. He's a host on this show. He looks great. Voted least popular host in show history. There's only been four official hosts of the show. One of them is dead. Jonesy's a writer. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I feel like this is uh, an historic day. Uh, the The mania just wrapped up uh, earlier this evening. Thirty years, and uh, we're we're all still friends. And it's just a great time to be alive. This is literally your nightmare. Is when there's an event happening on Twitter that you're not watching. How did you survive? Oh, yeah. How did you live? Uh, I was liberal with the 24-hour mute and tweetbot. <laughs> Very liberal. Sometimes I, I picture you opening that app, and it's just your tweets that show, and that's it. <laughs> and you forget, and you just wonder why you refresh. It's just you all day long. It's okay. There's like two people that are that are not on some continuous mute perma filter mute, calendar. Call, yeah, they call that the Jonesy mute, the perma mute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, never on permamute, dear friend of mine, just one of my closest dear friends. He's a father. He's got two kids. He doesn't have, have that mercy. beard anymore. I don't know. Maybe when you when you shaved, it could have been three weeks ago. I, I just noticed that it's not there. Welcome back, Dale underscore A. I didn't deserve it. I until I learn how to take care and be responsible for something like that beard, I got no use, no right having one. Because I just didn't have the tools that I needed to take care of it right. You know what I mean? And that's yeah, why that's why I had to shave my beard. That's why my hamsters die when I'm uh, 13 years old. That's why the guinea pig that I had uh, lived in his own crap for weeks on end. What was the because guinea pig's I, name? Copernicus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, were you a Back to the Future fan, Dale? Is that what I'm gathering? I did uh, like Back to the Future. I'm not sure what that has to do with guinea pigs. Uh, At this point, the dog's name was Copernicus. 
Doc Brown's dog. Man, I'll just uh, I'll see you. Thanks, uh, Jonesy. Least favorite host, as <laughs> voted by our community of, of friends of the show. Big show. We've gone back Einstein. to Dark Horse. Wasn't it? Uh, Dale's big two company. You know, he didn't fight for this one. This wasn't a Dale. I don't know if this was a Dale pick or not. Was no. this a Dale pick? I'm going to throw it out there that this would have never probably been a pick because I, you know, was one of those Sandman type books oh, in my no. eyes. Look out. Look out. He's, preconceived, he's, he's bringing the knives out already, folks. Preconceived notions that I had, you know? Mm-hmm. I just realized there's a broom in my background right here. I usually move it every week and I didn't move it, so. Mm. Fourth host, my broom. So you can play floor Still hockey more with the mouse than me. crawling across that floor. We haven't had a mouse infiltration in a long time since the great mouse genocide of 2014 that, that I was a big part of. But that's neither here nor there. We're running out of time. The streak is over. Undertaker, oh, man. he's probably now dead. There's no reason to live. Um, we need to get into the comic talk. First of all, I just want to tease once more. Episode 150. <sighs> Oh my it's God. coming. It's nearly here. Mm. Jonesy, are you mentally prepared? I am, uh, as to quote my better half, ready to receive it on my chest. That's how ready I am. What did you read this week, Jonesy Loves Beer? Oh my God, are you guys ready for the biggest backpedal of all time? Oh yes. Uh, the, this week's backpedal. As this week's backpedal, the culmination of maybe my entire backpedaling career, I read She-Hulk, oh, episode, yeah. uh, issue number three. Guys, I, I don't know how to say this eloquently, mm. so You're off to a bad I'm start just going to say it how, how, the only way I know how. What is Marvel doing that they're just so dialed in right <laughs> now? I just don't understand it. Hawkeye. You know, this guy, Charles Soule, on uh, She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. Anything that, you know, Matt Fraction is doing, Rick Remendo. Mm. Uh, it's just perfection. Jason Aaron. Book form. Jason Aaron on Thor. Scalped. Got it. We all read Scalped I, and loved it. Scalped. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't understand how it's possible to have this much talent. Red ends. <laughs> and uh, the red ends and scalped. <laughs> Dale does not speak uh, for paper keg as a, on the whole. I just want to thank throw God that out there. somebody uh, somebody else other than me is being controversial. <laughs> just quoting Scout. <laughs> One of the reasons why I didn't like it. As a matter of fact, <laughs> uh, quick synopsis: you know, She Hulk has taken on the case of Victor Von Doom's son, and they have a madcap adventure to file his uh, naturalization papers by the end of the business day, and She Hulk's one liners. And the peek behind the curtain had her life, and uh, Charles Soule's real life lawyer experience coming in, you know, to make the what do you call that? The jargon, not so jargony. It's just a wonderful title, and I was wrong about hating She Hulk, and I am ready to admit it. And you guys should pick up She Hulk. It's a fantastic title. Wow. I'm going to clip out I was wrong and just make that any sounder I can possibly make. Yeah. My wife's already got that on voice memo, so, you know, I'll just have her refer her to you. 
Now, did you did you pull a Jonesy move and just jump feet first into whatever issue that was recent and not care? No, I, I actually get, went back and caught up. Yeah. I went back and caught up You're, because I remember Dale talking about her uh, run-in with Tony Stark's uh, lawyer team, mm-hmm. and I knew I wanted to start there. And uh, it's worth it, guys. Hmm. It's worth it. Start at number one I'm and stunned. just get just get caught up in it. Just caught up in her life, her She-Hulk life. Mm. This should be the next Netflix series. Jennifer She-Hulk. It's all cool. It's all cool out right now. You're going. You're going buck wild. You're going be deep. In I love it. I don't care Marvel's who knows She-Hulk. it. I don't care who knows it. I love this book. Jonesy is so visibly excited right now. He's like erratic. His his eyes aren't blinking at the same time. His is so bright. It's like he he is like the uh, the android Ash in the first Alien movie when it's just a head on the floor, spurts just spitting out milk milky liquid. <laughs> Jonesy milkied while he read She-Hulk. <laughs> I. Absolutely did. I mean, I honestly, every episode we talk about, but what light is shining right above your skull, like a foot away? It's like you just, you have a dent, a live-in dentist that observes. I can't show you guys, but what I do have is uh, the wood paneling hurts my situation here. Has Uh, wood paneling ever helped a situation? (laughs) There is an old-fashioned light fixture with three one million watt bulbs that is really directly above my head. Mm-hmm. And it, it creates this magic that you see every week. This is not ILM. Uh, this is not Marvel's team. This is all 160-watt bulbs. Mind Management, our book club, later in the episode. Stick around. Don't leave yet, please. Uh, the Field, number one. You know, I thought about doing Black Science, but I didn't want to go to the Remendo well. I thought about, you know, I've already gone down the uh, Golden Embargo well that is now on hold until, you know, a big episode, probably way down the line from now. The Field. Uh, Ed Brisson. You ever heard of this guy? You ever heard no, of him? No. Enlighten me. Dale? He, uh, does he have something to do with Wasteland at all? I can't uh, His name I sounds no familiar. He might. Swinging that, mm-hmm. swing that BDS all swing over the place. Around. Ed Brisson, I know of from Sheltered. I talked about a little while ago. It was like Lord of the Flies with the kids killing the parents, uh, and yeah. so they could survive for longer. This book is from Image, and it's about this dude who wakes up in a field in his undies, his tidy whities He doesn't know what the hell is going on. He doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know what's happening, and the whole issue. Is almost like this fever dream of like worst case scenario. You wake up in a field, some crazy psychotic man with a mustache offers you a ride, so you get in. You don't know what that could go wrong, and it end. You end up in a diner with this guy who's, you know, he has a little bit of a coke habit. We've all been there, but he's got a big one, and mm, that's bad. Chaos ensues in this diner where it's all if it reads like a Twin Peaks ish comic book first issue where just it's so weird nothing is as it seems and this guy he's just going with the flow because he doesn't know what the heck's going on i thought it was great great like um insight into amnesia madness almost and the art which 
I was super stoked to find out is from Simon Roy, the guy that did the first three or four issues of Profit that Dale liked. Oh, yeah. Man, that was great. So he's the artist on this issue, and I haven't seen him in anything else since I left off Profit because I didn't like whoever became the regular artist on that. But this one's great. It seems like there's some kind of weird possible government something happening um, in this storyline, but I'm hooked for the rest of the series. I thought it was great. It's a four-issue mini, right? Oh, it is? I think that's what I, I remember being... Damn. It's either that one or the Garth Ennis book that came out. Garth Ennis. One of those is a four-issue mini. It might be a Garth Ennis book. I know his Red Team was supposed to be like a mini-series. Um, but another another hit from Image. You know? Hit makers. I'm super curious about Ed Brisson. I'm looking him up. Um, has nothing to do with Wasteland, <laughs> by the way. I apologize. <laughs> um, Profit. That was your pick. He was <laughs> on Profit. Ed you Brisson better, was? Yeah. I think he's also a colorist or something. Glory. Maybe he was a colorist on Wasteland and he's not credited in the app. Or letterer. Yeah. is doing, I don't know, what, what's Jonesy doing right now? Interactive, live interactive. You tweeting? You have TweetBot? Seeing who's coming off Permamute right now? He's speaking digitally with Mother and Mother's telling him to bring the alien <laughs> back. The crew is expendable. And milky white substance is going to start spewing from his mouth. And I'm going to have a, an issue of She-Hulk the whole time and love it. Dale underscore A. You're the show sensation. You know, we, we talked about last week how you've been called the fave phenom. <laughs> you launched a highly successful podcast on the side called Book Jug. Uh, we're all anxiously awaiting the next episode. There's some kind of drama unfolding. We have to wait to hear about it. Uh, maybe you, you won't have to wait that much longer. Oh, Heavens. Me and me and my friend, uh, me and my co-host, we're almost done the book, Truman Capote's In Cold Blood. Wow. You uh, you and Jonesy actually just recently guest hosted on a podcast. You had a, you celebrated an anniversary, the Ancillary yeah. Characters podcast. Is that right? Yeah they they invited us on as a team. We're pretty much like a package deal. You got you want one, you got to take both. It's in our contracts. It's known. Craft we don't service. go anywhere without each other. Yeah. It's uh, we, I, we 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 met up. All cap. We met up to see Captain yeah. America two last night because we're friends. We both drove an hour. Real life friends that meet halfway we, between the great state of New Jersey. We begged our wives. <laughs> Matter of fact, nope. I had Jonesy ask my wife like we were both twelve because <laughs> it would go over easier if he he asked her sure. rather than me asking. That's him. understandable. Yeah, there was some group text massaging yeah. going on. Let me tell you. It's worth it. Great film. Yeah, check out Cap. Check out Ancillary Characters. I think I I, I tuned into that show that you guys guest hosted on. Mm-hmm. And the first thing which I, hour? Which I think it was hour, hour six. I think it was hour four. Okay. And what really struck me was the chewing of cookies in a microphone, some kind <laughs> of cracker by one of the regular hosts. I won't mention any names. I was, you know, this is the podcast for me. Dale, what did you read this week? I'm going to go out, put it out on the table, Slim, and tell you that I read Tech, oh. number 30. <sighs> Detective Comics, That's slang. number 30. That's slang. Francis Manipol and Bucciolato. Brian Bucciolato, is that his name? Yes. New story arc, new creative team. Is this their first book with them on the uh, This on is it? the first 
tech uh, detective that comics crew. with them on it, but they, as you probably are already aware, they launched Flash and the New 52 together. Yes, they did. So, courtesy of DC Comics, bend your comic mail subscription here. <laughs> I have the, uh, the Detective Comics CGC graded a 2 because of the spine just completely destroyed between the mail and my mail carrier. It's a gorgeous book. Mm. Gorgeous. This start, kicks off a new story arc, Icarus. And Icarus is a drug, a street drug, going around Gotham. And some gangs are selling it, slash, you know, some of the... Uh, there's one member in a street gang who's only in it because his older brother, the Squid, is a pretty high up in this gang. So they call uh, Jonesy in the bedroom. <laughs> this, guy, <laughs> this guy is uh, partaking in the drug, Icarus, and uh, Bats, Brian Bucciolato's Batman, <laughs> sweeping across the cityscape in like wide shots and him busting through windows is just absolutely stunning. This book, granted I haven't read the past 28 issues of Detective Comics, but this book is got to be climbing its way up to the top. Mm. If it hasn't if it wasn't at the top, I know it wasn't really when it first started. But Bruce Wayne uh, meets a, has a, a sort of a business meeting with a new player in town, Elena. She's a real estate developer, and she's a you know a nonprofit kind of thing, and she's going to try to revitalize the eastern waterfront of Gotham. And she convinces Bruce Wayne to help, and they're going to do this thing, even though uh, the there's some dirty politics involved, and they're pretty PO'd that Bruce Wayne has just bought up the waterfront, and uh, they had ulterior motives for this, probably just to keep it down and out so they could sell their wares. At the end of the story. Elena, business partner, comes running to Wayne Manor, and she's basically on fire from the inside out. She's got, like, flames or ash spewing out of her mouth and her eyes. It's pretty disturbing looking, but that's where it's a perfect cliffhanger. Excellent book. Really, Really, really gorgeous. I really liked it. I wanted to read their Flash stuff, but I had no desire to read Flash. But I know I would always see, like, seven-page spreads that Francis Manupal would design and draw, and they were all, like, bonkers-looking. And I got some flack in the office the other day. I I said that Francis Manupal was a modern-day Will Eisner in terms of page layouts because he does some funky stuff with page layouts. Not so much in this first issue of Batman, but a lot of his Flash stuff had, like, crazy two-page spreads with, you know, the Mm -hmm. Flash logo was, you know, a street crumbling or something like that. And he does amazing stuff. And he writes at the same time. They're like a weird... They're like the Jonesy and Dale of comic books. They're a package deal. They're called storytellers, but I guess, like... Yeah, I was just going to helps out with writing, but colors as well. So I don't know what... I wonder what those conversations are like. I'm just looking at this now. I mean, it's it's like a painted style, but Batman is just so gorgeous in this book. Mm-hmm. He looks great. He looks great, and and you're right about the the panel layouts. Especially there was a couple splash pagey, not splashes, but two page panel layouts, and the use of the panels and the sh- and the shapes. They're not super daring and abstract, but they're just the panels are just off center just a bit and stuff like that. It's really gorgeous. I bet. 
I bet the Will Eisner backers just started flipping their willies around in uh, defense because <laughs> you can't say anything like that. God forbid. No, God forbid someone say anything about the living or not yeah, the other living legend. Just start, probably just started doing Don Quixote windmills with their. <laughs> you know, I yeah, I loved it. I I'm anxious to start to read Detective Comics. You know, yeah, you can only you need a break from uh, from the maestro Snyder every so often. Get yeah, some luckily, fresh. Luckily, there they have a new weekly Batman book, Batman Eternity, coming out. You can just start eating that for your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, every week because that's all you're going to be buying. We need to, Jones. Did you read Detective Comics? No, I I have never followed it since the relaunch. Check it out. But it's a, if it's a, if this is a good jumping on point, I don't see why not. Two sentences or less. We need to move on. We're running out of tape. Another book that you read, Jonesy Loves Beer, please. Avatar Press's Caliban by Garth Ennis mm-hmm. and Facundo Parqueo. A elevator pitch that's like Event Horizon meets Contact. A great sci-fi journey begins. The Punisher 2 through 3. While completely different, giving our dear friend Greg Rucka's Punisher run a run for its enjoyable money. Lightning uh, flipped my willy around a great... <laughs> Aquaman and the Others, number one. What? Who's by your friend, written by your friend and mine, Dejan Dejurgens. <laughs> Aquaman and the Others need to protect their Atlantean relics from being stolen. All in all, not a bad book that you really don't need to know much about to jump into the sea. I don't know what's going with that. <laughs> That'll go into the annals of Dale underscore A's lightning round. Mind management. Matt Kint. Dark Horse Comics. This is the book that's getting all the accolades. Willie's getting swung from every which way. Top ten lists oh, yeah. at the wazoo. You can't get hit in the face with a top ten list and not hear about mind management. But what's it about, Jonesy? Why is why are why is it on top ten lists? It's like Denmark. There's so many windmills on okay. that tulip field, <laughs> flapping around. Allow me to add my windmill. <laughs> into your tulip fields, if if you will. Please. Um, Meru is a failing investigative journalist, had a hit book. Now she's not such a hit anymore. People are forgetting about her. So she needs a new case. Uh, she reads about, or rather hears about, a flight of people. You know, like an airline flight. I guess you should be more specific. 
uh, an airline flight of people who suddenly forget everything, all their short-term memory, can't remember their families. You know, they, they come home to spouses. They don't love them anymore. They don't know them. Who are these people? Uh, you know, it's a mass hallucination type uh, scenario. So Meru gets sent by her publisher as her last chance to get her ass together and uh, deliver a book, uh, you know, hard-hitting investigation on why it happened. Uh, she finds that on the trail of discovery, excuse me, I kind of had to cover, I, you know, I covered it up with an, uh, Dale gave me a weird face. Now we're stuck in it together, guys, because I'm getting critiqued live on air with eyebrows. <clears throat> so anyhow, during the course of the investigation, Meru was pursued by secret agents, CIA. Flapping, she doesn't know why. I'm flapping my windmill at you not being able to <laughs> just move on. Um, and she discovers a player, Henry Lyme, somebody who's at the heart of this entire scenario. Uh, she's led down a path of discovery where she discovers an entire town in Zanzibar where the population killed itself in a mindless rage. And finally, she discovers Henry Lyme and the fact that he's the player, the, the one special agent in her organization called Mind Management, a intelligence community from back in World War I who developed all their time developing mental powers. Um, future prediction. Uh, there's a group of agents called the Immortals who can't die, who you know have total control over their body so they can't get injured, won't age. And they have people like uh, Lyme who can basically, instead of reading minds, suppress minds and impose his will on you know entire cities worth of people. And Meru has her own past and her own link to Lyme. And was she just the survivor of this massacred city, or is she more? We don't know, because Lyme sends her packing without her memory. Mind Management Volume 1. I do want to say that I regret reading this three days ago. I always I hate <laughs> reading a book early. I always want to read it the day of so that it's still fresh. But I... I um, did read it. I I pretty much knew nothing about the series. I I don't. I guess that's just what I do when a book gets so hyped up or whatever. I kind of just tune it out, and when I get to reading it later, I'll read it as a new reader. So I had nothing. I knew nothing about this book except for some Matt Kent covers that he tweeted about. I loved it. I loved. I loved the the presentation of the book. I thought was just as enjoyable as the story. The way that each issue had kind of like a, a little snippet of the history of mind management and the way that the story was presented to you as being told by Lyme, but you didn't know that until maybe like issue two or three. And then the story, his story of his life and then how it fell apart at the end. I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. Dale scalped so mind management uh, like I said I had preconceived notions based on <clears throat> the first issue came out it was getting a lot of buzz but I flipped through it at the comic shop and 
I just didn't feel like it was for me. You know what I mean? It was good paper stock. It was, it, it, uh, I'm assuming we all read the digital editions, but the paper stock was like the brownish stuff that it was printed on. But I could tell that it was deep. That's my general word I use for Sandman or whatever, mm-hmm. or what I think is deep. And Matt Kent, I think at the beginning or end of issue one, Matt Kent even goes into the fact that he has trouble reading monthly issues. He's not into monthly issue comics. He would rather read complete volumes or trades. And after getting to read the whole trade of mind management, I was blown away by the story within. I don't think the fir- reading the first, second, or third issue would ever do it justice and you you hopped off which I can under so I can understand why I definitely thought that way after flipping through the first issue but there you know there may have been some users that hopped off because of it but presented as a complete volume it's really fantastic it makes sense while being this you know I'm, I'm gonna say I'll say trippy but it's not it's not trippy. You can understand everything that's happening. It's just all the mind stuff. It's in the the area. It's in the subject matter of thought and using your mind for things. But the fact that mind management is a department or, or department in the government, I didn't. I didn't think mind management had anything to do with an actual uh, company or or division that's called mind management and uh the the past of henry lime going to school to learn how to control his powers and how they kind of excelled at their own thing so he would never he could never become an immortal because he just wasn't as good as you know the classmate that they were taking turns stabbing each other with and stuff i thought it was great the art is just fits the book so well and it's gorgeous stuff and it's just a, I mean, it's just a great, complete read. Mm. The six issues together is a, is a fantastic read. And the Henry Lyme, when he starts getting into his life and the fact that, you know, he start, he didn't start to believe his wife because he had such control over his mind. He could control the world around him to cater everybody else to his needs or wants yeah, so was, he walks in troubling he, he walks into a city and he curbs everyone's attitude to smile i mean you could you could uh say what you wanted you could be awful to these people they would still smile like nothing ever happened so he started to distrust his wife and his kid he didn't even know if his kid was real at times i mean it was great and it made complete sense. Like if you're gun shy about it because you might think it might go in this down this path of it being weird or trippy, I guess I'll say it. It doesn't. It makes absolute sense. And yeah, because it's great. when you when you go through like having the ability to control people's minds and becoming an agent like that, how do at what point do you even realize what's real and what's not? Like you, I don't even. The idea that you have such control over things to know the difference between the two. There's a great part uh, where he eventually retires to 
Yeah, it was before Zanzibar when he's in France, where like he, you know, his uh, superiors tell him to take some downtime, where he just thinks out loud. He's like, I don't even know if they sent me to France. I just wanted to go. Oh yeah. I assumed that you know my management is paying for all this, but then I realized nobody's taking any money from me. <laughs> so is this a fantasy that I just created because I needed a break? Like that's when you like really start to see his mind unravel, mm-hmm. and it's it's a chilling uh, couple issues where you just see Lime's descent into madness, and then you generally feel sorry for him once he forces his wife and child out of his life because he's so despondent, and then uh, directly after, uh, in the passage, his family is killed. And you're like, he'll never get the opportunity to see them again. I mean, that's the kind of thing to expect out of my management. Nobody's safe. You know, every, every twist that you can think of, they're going to take it. And they're not allowed, you know, he's not allowed to change the cosmology of the book. And that's my main note is that each issue feels not only, not only building off the, the previous, but feels totally different tone wise and totally different history wise like each time you you open a new book it takes you down a different twist of this road and exposes you to a little bit more that mind management can do so by the time you meet lime he's a mystery person in issue one who was you know on a flight to this superior mind that is capable of killing an entire city it's it's almost seems like this book was only made for six issues, and I know it's an ongoing series, but it just seems like the first six were just a perfect, yeah, like almost like a movie, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. with six acts, almost like six stories that connected together, and it wasn't meant to go after issue six because the the coda ending where Meru, you know, forgets her memory seems like the perfect twist ending of, of like a movie. I don't know if I'm making sense. Well, even, she even kind of referenced that the agent even referenced that it's happened before to her where he said that like, you do this thing, you've been doing this for the last two years going after this story. She's like, I have. And it, it almost made it sound like she's done it before where like she's gotten close. And every time the airplane story comes up, she like goes on another adventure, but then comes back none the wiser. And also on that first issue where all the people on the plane lost their memories, I thought that was one of the best scenes in the whole book where everyone reacted to them not knowing who they are or why they're there. And then the stewardesses almost kind of subconsciously, instinctively start to take charge and like, you know, why are you, why are you telling people it'll be fine? Like, you don't even know who you are. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they're like and on like, the PA well, system or whatever. They're like, well, we're wearing these uniforms. We must be yeah. something. <laughs> and the pilots, the pilots were the best. We're like, well, what do we do? It's like, should we try the radio? How do we radio? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the, I mean, the, the chase scene with like the FBI agents or the CIA or whatever those people were, I thought, I thought his, his artwork and his storytelling were so great. And I think I always, I can, I compared him to Jeff Lemire in that kind of like writer artist style where it's unlike other artists or whoever can draw. And it's not like a Tony Daniel type style at all. You know, it's like a totally different, 
comic book. It's a, it's a graphic novel, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought, it, you know, no other artist could maybe have the same way to tell it than Matt Kent. And in, in a lot of ways, I felt like he writes a ton of comic books, but I feel like this is his, you know, um, Essex County or Sweet Tooth or, you know, uh, what is it, Lost Dogs. Like, this is the this is the story that's in his head. This isn't going to be like, you know, Justice League 33. You know, he hasn't been waiting 20 years to tell that story. This is like the story that's been in his head that he works until mm-hmm. 3 a.m. to tell. And I, I felt that in a lot of the story. I thought it was, I thought it was really, really great. One, uh, one tribute to how much he loves this project is the secret histories that you get on the first and last pages yeah. of each issue. That was an amazing touch to this book. And I love uh, titles like Manhattan Projects and uh, you know the book that shall not be named, which gives you an alternative secret history of the world that because we're the public... You know, we don't understand, you know, maybe we're in the dark and this could really be happening. I really love that. And uh, that ever since that first opening one on issue one where my management was found because they tried to stop World War One and they couldn't because the one guy forgot his umbrella that he uh, gave mystical powers. <laughs> like it was just so odd and so off center. And I eat that stuff up. So I knew inside page one, I was like, I'm going to love this book. And I did. I absolutely loved it. Which was cool because he gave profiles of all these former mind management agents. And then in the last, in issue five or six, they get tied into the book. But you really don't need to know. Yeah, you could ignore those backup stories. But it's cool to see. It's cool to learn about the twins. Yeah. And then see one of the the twins is dead. And like, how does this fit in? How did she die? I mean, great stuff. And, And he had the, and he had their whole story thought out and he put it down on paper and yeah like you're right about the uh the alternate history stuff like the the mind management ad guy who could write headlines that would Mm -hmm. subliminally change your thought process and Uh, and they were like extra clean wipes and all of a sudden you wouldn't remember that there was a massacre a massacre in some foreign country I, i thought it was interesting too how when you're first introduced to the immortals the two that are chasing them you, I don't know, maybe incorrectly assume that they're just evil henchmen, but mm-hmm. they're not even really that way. And then when you see kind of how the one guy had his face scarred when they were sent after Lyme because he was losing control, and then he set his emotions and his mind set the whole town on each other. I thought that scene was like really horrifying. I thought I was interesting how it came back. And maybe horrifying because, I mean, his life was destroyed at that point. And then there's even this like offhand comment about how his wife and daughter were found in the like pot. up the block. Yeah, yeah, just like not even really a lot of times spent on their death, which I thought was very strange. But it was almost like more disturbing how they just threw that line in there in there about their corpses being found. But you you don't you, the, they didn't really do anything wrong. The mind management and immortals like. You 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 need to go after him at that point because he is losing control. Like his emotions have destroyed this town and everyone in it. They all just killed themselves, killed each other rather. Yeah, I love that the, and maybe this will be addressed in later volumes. But the deal is, it's time to close my management. It's had too much influence on the world, and 
the people in charge finally realize that, but their one loose end is lime out there in the world with this incredible mental persuasion. So, you know, it's kind of like they're almost the heroes, you know, tasked with, you know, your last assignment is to take care of this rogue agent before we can close down the agency. So maybe, you know, maybe out there there's a volume that exists where there are two heroes going after this evil guy, Lime, who's throwing obstacles in their way. And and I actually, like, in my head, I grew to, like, really despise the Lime character because when he tells her that she was in that town, and that's why she's an orphan, like, her parents, you yeah, know, yeah. were killed in that whole mess, and she survived... And when the Immortals get on the boat, she even says, like, I don't know who I want to kill first. <laughs> like, if the Immortals didn't show up at that point, she might have just killed him at that point. He would have deserved it. Yeah. But... Well, that's the thing. He's so petty that even after he shows zero character growth, you know, he, he gets his family killed. And instead of being like, maybe I should use my powers for good because I'm so delusional, he's like, oh, I need a, I need an anchor. So I'm just going to routinely ruin this girl's life so that I can feel good about myself. Did Was it you who told me? sets her on a loop. Yeah, the, the, the loop is in place at that point. I can't remember if someone had told me that this was on like going to be a movie or a TV series. Nah, not I think I, I think I heard that it was being... Or optioned, maybe. Optioned, yeah. But I can totally see like... Uh, who's the dude from Lost that's on a TV show now? Not Henry. What's that guy's name? I should know. I've seen that show like eight times. But the main uh, antagonist in oh. Lost. Yeah, Ben. Ben what? Linus. Like, this is a Ben Linus character almost, where you could see, you know, you're really a D-bag. But then eventually Henry the onions. Linus? Yeah. Huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. But this is, a, this is another book where, you know, you love it, and you loved going in its world for a trade. But I don't know if I'll... I don't know when I'm going to go back in for volume two. I don't know if maybe that's just where where my comic reading habits lie, and maybe other mm-hmm. people would immediately go and read more. But I don't know when I'm going to go back to it. Yeah, and it which I think it's kind of cool that I mean, even though it's not a complete story, it's pretty healthily told in one arc. Like there's a satisfying story within volume one of mind management so it's not like you have this terrible need you have to go on and read more i mean it'd be nice to but you you definitely get a satisfying you know the the end is kind of cliffhangery but that's how it could be that's her life (laughs) her whole life's a cliffhanger i mean Mm -hmm. she she went so far as to um you know like mail her documents to herself so she would could remember if something like that happened and and then that guy intercepted and killed the mailman to uh, oh, prevent yeah. that from happening i mean it's it's crazy like it, when you think about what he he's saying that could be a lie or could be man, have been manipulated by him because he his he influenced a decision in some way mm-hmm. guys he's good i mean he's powerful I really felt bad for that agent, too, at the end. Like, he seemed like a really great, nice guy for, like, three issues. And yeah. then when she leaves, he's he almost looks like he's just been lobotomized, and he's just sitting there in a coma yeah, he's doing just, a pot. Yeah, he's doing that pottery, and he's probably not even going to feed himself like everybody else in that village. Yeah. 
she's just going to wither away. He looked like the comic book guy a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. Like a thinner version. <laughs> That's the CIA that I want to be in. <laughs> you know, Hawaiian shirts. Uh, great, 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 great read, book. though. Highly recommended. Yeah. There, there's some sweet hardcovers out there, I know for a fact. Scouted yeah, them this out. This is definitely a uh, crowd pleaser of people who are already in the comic book genre, as well as a welcome note to people who are just trying to discover the medium. I think it covers all those bases. Mind management. We got your letters. I'm going to open them up. Farrington's going to read them to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. You know, if you have a few minutes and you want to shoot us a letter, we might read it on the air. Uh, Slim, I have the strangest letter of all time uh, directed solely to you. I'm ready. Hey, Slim, I got to see Barry Sanders run for a 50-yard touchdown against the Browns in the Silverdome. Hashtag Silverdome. Jensi, <laughs> uh, I think, I think that might be an inside joke to WrestleMania 30, which transpired tonight mere moments ago before this recording. Mere. When I, when I hopped in front of my laptop, Jonesy asked if my hero won. <laughs> <laughs> he was licking his little lips, waiting for me to hop in front of this computer. <laughs> was that uh, WrestleMania 1? The Silver Dome? That, well, it might have been because they did reference WrestleMania 1, so that's where this one was, was the Silver Dome. Yeah, it all comes back. Circular, cyclical, life. Dragon as, as As it is, the WWEF. <laughs> Next letter comes from a good friend of the show, Sean Miller, at Under an Anchor on Twitter. Check about it on anchorcomics.com. Hey guys, love the last couple shows. I was reading Mark Millar's Starlight last week, and the scene where the main character was reflecting on his wife's passing really got to me. I thought that book was really well written and had a strong emotional punch. That got me thinking, if I wasn't married and had kids, would that scene have carried the same emotional weight for me? Since you three are all married and have children, have you noticed... That has that that has made you sensitive to slash appreciate certain themes more, or even avoid some titles altogether. Question mark. Uh, I think it definitely adds emotional weight for me. Uh, certainly, if uh, you know before, I think I avoided heavily emotional material because I just didn't get it yet. Yeah, you know, it just wasn't there in my life. And then as soon as uh, you know. The kid came. It was a uh, was different. You find different meaning in uh, in work. So I don't know if that specifically answers your question. I don't. I don't think there's any material that I avoid or seek out. But I definitely the emotions in any story I read now are are, are certainly more real. Yeah, that uh, and that's seen specifically in Starlight. I mean, that was to think about you being there at some point in your life. I. Th- Specifically, I think it does weigh on you with wife and kids, but to think about where you are in life at that age and 
your wife has passed your best you know she's your best friend and then you can't she's the only one that believed in you and stuff like that i think it, it, there's no way especially once you have ch- children there's no way you can go back like you're forever changed in in your thinking i think mm-hmm. and i remember even before i had kids and when i was younger you know in my 20s drugs i remember drugs and not caring about who had the needle before me you know what i mean i just no i i remember not particularly caring about kids in general like i didn't want kids at the time when i in my mid-20s i didn't want anything to do with kids i thought they were pain in the a but you know i have kids now and i i, I and came not around much has changed yeah that same <laughs> train of thought pain in my a just got me bent over and uh, I think once that happened, once I had kids, like you're forever changed. I think about how I could used to used to be, and how I would have judged a stranger's kids in public, or a stranger in public for for having kids in public. And it's just, I think that's a, probably an easy example for any parent now. Once you have kids, and you have to take those kids out in public, like that's a that's probably a good way of of an analogy. You're more understanding of a stranger's kids to a degree. They're freaking out in public and stuff, and the poor mm-hmm. parent there, you know what I mean? Like You sympathize. Yeah, you sympathize a lot more. Dale sympathizes, and he wants to lend you his bottle of ether out of his bag. Oh, yeah, I, <laughs> right in the diaper bag. I could see Dale in a shopping mall with his kids, and then some some other poor fellow... You know, their kid is just shooting ahead, and he's like, stop, stop. Dale just reaches out that foot, trips kid. It's like, I got him. Mm-hmm. Just helping out his fellow and man. And then you do the movie nod. You just nod to each other. Like, it's an understood agreement. <laughs> Friends, yeah. Yeah. Soak, just soak a fresh diaper with the ether. That's what the diaper's for, and then just, like, hold the diaper. That's why you don't need to carry extra rags or anything. You, have you, sw- you swing them around like Bob Backlund in the ch- cross-faced chicken wing with their legs in the air. You're just right, swinging yeah. them lifeless. Just wrestle them down. Wrestle them down. <laughs> the, the ether like comes out in like like a little Barbasol <laughs> like aftershave container. Right, that's how I picture it like going into the diaper. Like little, little splashes at a time. Size oh my five, God. Size five love. Oh my god. <laughs> Fatherhood is great, guys. Oh, so boy. great. We're blessed. So sympathetic. Truly We're blessed. So understanding. Uh, so our next letter. Uh Dear Paper Keg. Really enjoyed your ground baking ground baking episodes <laughs> covering astonishing X Men. I haven't heard such a heartfelt outpouring of love. Since episode 111, Batman Hush, where all that could be done was play Desiree's Kissing You. Mm, (laughs) The emotions were so high that I may have teared up while listening. If you haven't heard it recently, I highly recommend going back and listening. Easily my favorite episode. As someone who hasn't read any complete X-Men stories, would you recommend Astonishing to be a good place to start? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, H, yes. Also wanted to congratulate myself on now being a faithful friend of the show for a year now. I started listening with episode 97 and have a look back always at Proto Lexus. Uh, P.S. Looking forward to that big free comic book day announcement. 
episode 150. <laughs> you, no one's, we're not ready. We're not ready for this announcement. Jonesy's no. not ready. Jonesy's going to bail out from his computer. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. No official announcement yet, but you know, free comic book day, first Saturday in May. Comic book shop in Delaware. Episode 150 posts the Monday after free comic book day. Oh my God. Just want to set the stage. We know what's happening, but you don't. Stars aligning. aligning. <laughs> what was Predilex's question? Oh, the Hush episode. Man, that was a great episode. I remember we played the heck out of Desiree. I remember specifically yeah. mentioning, I think, Jonesy or Dale standing in the rain <laughs> while holding the hardcover. I think it was hardcover. me. Yeah, like looking through a window, looking up into the rain next to a street light. It's like that scene in Carlito's Way when he's looking through the the rain at his ex-girlfriend in her dance class. God, what a movie that was. Go see Carlito's Way, please, right now. I'm just looking right now. Into that hardcover, dancing with a partner in the rain. <laughs> oh. Like that scene in True Detective with the man with the scars and the hardcover making flowers. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. One of the worst scenes in that show. With Desiree. <laughs> How about his creepy uh, accent in that first snippet <coughs> of his intro where he starts his, mimicking To Kill a Mockingbird, I think is what he was watching. His English accent. <laughs> <laughs> to his half sister, yeah. Oh, Proto Lexus, we actually met Proto Lexus last Free Comic Book Day, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We did. Huge friend of the show brought us a six pack of Flying Fish beer. Heavens, we snuck it right under the table there and just kept it. For and then Jonesy drank it in two minutes. No, three just, minutes. Just started being a people person. In right. quotes to people. Yeah. Ham, Hamville. Proto Lexus, uh, not only is a dapper fellow, but he also does a podcast, Polycomics. Chances are, if you we talk about anyone on the show, they do a podcast. That's <laughs> just, that's 2014. Like yeah. it or lump it. <laughs> like it or hate it, like uh, everybody at, WrestleMania, at Mania 30. Taker. Taker lost. Taker loves tech. Other than the draw he had with Shawn Michaels that year, he's undefeated. You know what I mean? I don't even know what's going on right now. <laughs> Didn't he have a draw with Shawn Michaels? No, he beat him two WrestleManias in a row, and then he forced Shawn Michaels into retirement. I, th- didn't he, I think he had a draw As he one year. To do. I don't I'm think there was any kind of draw happening with Man. Shawn Michaels and Undertaker. Undertaker wrestles once a year at WrestleMania. Well, maybe, well, maybe not Shawn Michaels, but didn't he have a draw one year in WrestleMania? I don't know. No. He didn't. I'm sorry. I don't know. I should edit know. this all out. I'm going to edit you out. I'm, put, I'm going to put your your version from Hush episode <clears throat> into this one. <laughs> I, was, I was probably on top of my game that episode. <laughs> I was probably Taker when he won every every match of WrestleMania. Do we get any other letters? Or is that it? Uh, any other X Men complete X Men stories? Astonishing, yes, definitely read. Astonishing, you will be hooked. A lot of people say new X Men, but I don't know how accessible that is for new readers. Grant Morrison's new X Men. Yeah, X-Men? nah, I, yeah, I don't think no. that's. All it's right. good, but it's not. Ex- I don't think it's accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go in and just say, what? I um, think that's it. 
without, you know, we're on the spot. Joss is H. Bendis, tr- entrusted, trust in Bendis. Read Bendis's whatever he's rocking, uncanny, all new. Uncanny where I don't know what has happened. in th- They're up to issue 50, and I can't even tell if they've even left what the Weapon X facility right now. <laughs> I mean, it looks great, but I don't know what is going on. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped reading that, but I believe in it. They're going to war. They're going to war with S.H.I.E.L.D., Dale. That's what's oh. happening. <laughs> yeah. Check out issue 100 when the war starts. Next month. <laughs> <laughs> Double Echo, day shipping. I think Echo Riff Podcast and Uncanny X-Men are on the same number schedule. <laughs> Comic Tango, check it out. Another podcast that came out. Drink when I mention a podcast this episode. I'm dead. <laughs> That's all the letters we have. This letters, week. They yeah. have letters, are, letters are done. That's it. Letter sounder. What a I'm show. gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just predict that I guessed on Comic Tango before I guessed on Echo Rift. I'm gonna have to try out the uh, the miners first before I get called up. What a show. How about, how about the uh, rat tail sticking out of the back of Slim's hat? <laughs> We're watching it all night. It is. Oh, yeah. It shows, my friend. My wife said I look like a horse. (laughs) Now there's some context behind the tweet (sighs) this weekend. I could see why she's. uh, I mean, when the hair. No, I mean, she she thought it was awful before I even cut it into a mohawk. She helped (laughs) me cut into a mohawk. That's nice of her. There's no winning. It's going to be gone before work tomorrow. No one will ever see it. Except you guys. Except the whole internet just now. Uh, Slim, I can uh, get you some of that ether and a diaper. <laughs> Please. I'm going to put it on myself. <laughs> on the Great show. Ring. We'll like see a everybody mask. next week. You adopted the ether. I was born to it. Molded by it. So you don't have to clip out my tapping this week. I just <laughs> use self-control. Thank you. You Finally. tape your hands down to your thighs. <laughs> uh, they are under my butt right now. No, I did sit on them. He taped two uh, Diet Cola liters to each hand. <laughs> <laughs> so you can hear is thump, thump, How was your diet, diet soda addiction? Have you curbed I, that yet? Oh my God. I haven't had a, a soda what? or a coffee going on a month. Wow. Man of yeah, it's crazy. I, I switched to that uh, chai Patch. tea for my morning, and then I drink water. Love water. Yeah. You know what goes great life. with water? Mio. Mio energy. I don't know what that is. It's a you, water flavoring. That's what you I... You are uh, on so many different kicks. You sample for weeks on end flavors of the month as far as energy drinks. It went up. It went up like ten notches because I hadn't ran for like four months, so I didn't have that little extra boost. Oh, running actually running in the morning usually wakes me up. Not me. So is your uh, your back all all boogered up? You can't run anymore. It was for like four months. It was awful. Runner's back. What was it? Nobody knows what's wrong with it.
No physical therapist knows jack ass about what was going on back there. But they gave me like three butt rubs when I did see my physical therapist. It helps a little bit mm. mentally, mm-hmm. emotionally. Sure. Maybe maybe I should have some back pain. <laughs> Probably jitting all over the place with the <laughs> butt rubs. Well, I don't, I've never been to a physical therapist. This is like hashtag the flap and... For, to, to our credit, we tried to schedule the flap like eight times last week, and it just <laughs> did. The, the stars were not aligned. And they well, it was, it was the week before Mania. There's a lot of press. Yeah, there's know, there's press no time to do anything before Mania with Taker in the one of the matches. A new issue of Tech came out. <laughs> so they they send you in this room, and the physical therapist is barely even with you. He has one of his helpers go there. And they're like, yeah, pull your pants down a little bit. You know, we're gonna put some things on your butt. Gel, and they like I my I said my back pain was like my lower back, but it really went into my lower left butt cheek. Mm. It's like a mm-hmm. deep pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they rub it up and they put like heat on it or some kind of funky machine. I don't know what was going on. I had my face down. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I said that, it cracked me up. Um, but I did a lot of stretching. I've been doing stretches for like four months. Roller. And uh, I got to like eighty five percent, and I said, "F it! If this is go- if this is the best it's going to be, I'm just going to start running and taking an ibuprofen because I couldn't take it anymore." So there you go one foot in the and, grave, but at least I'll be thinner. And now you're one of the nasty boys, WWF's nasty boys. So. <laughs> uh, See, you could pull that reference out, but you threw out a Shawn Michaels Undertaker draw. You're an enig- you're a wrestling enigma. Well, pre-93 or so, I'm probably yeah. on, you know, I can you need to, that You need to get on some of those Monday Night Raws from 1994, my friend. Just I absorb to, them. You give me one, you text me one after the show, and I might watch it before <sighs> I go to bed tonight. I know exactly which one I'm going to text you. It's going to be the one where Repo Man steals Macho Man's hat, and it's a oh. storyline for like two weeks. Man. See, because I I was definitely off wrestling before Raw was even a thing. Oh. Monday Night Raw. Well, they added, they have like the first maybe like 30 episodes of Monday Night Raw on there. When they were recording in the Manhattan Center for like an hour. Oh, man. Heyday. Macho God, Man yes. on, on color commentary. Jonesy's asleep. Sorry. Did you guys no, watch I, uh, Game of Thrones? A... I haven't watched it. No, no. I, you didn't I, watch it directly after this. I'm gonna watch it. I think hmm. I didn't want to get into it and then you know get the call up that paper kegs ready to go. So right. I just figured I'd wait. I wonder how th- I saw some tweets. It didn't sound like it was a smooth ride for HBO Go users. Yeah, I saw the uh, I saw their their official Twitter account too. Yeah. I, oh, I was, really? They tweeted that things were not good. Yeah, they said oh, send guys. a raven. <laughs> <laughs> At least they were smart enough to have some fun with it this time. Should we uh, should we get into it? Should we get spoiler heavy in the fireside or you, for I for mean, Game of Thrones? We all saw Captain America two. We, we did. did this weekend. We did. All three of us. No for one's the first good, time. no one's going to drop a dead Jonathan Kent on my parade this time. <laughs> yeah, spoilers. It's like spit out from a tornado. And just we might need to get that episode uh, clipped out where we <laughs> talked about Man of Steel spoilers <laughs> to Jonesy. Just put a still uh, image of Jonesy's face with his tongue. I and think his lower that's lip. where that picture came from. It, <laughs> that might have been. So with Jonesy you, with, with a white T-shirt. So no, set the stage. That, you two took a boat 
you took the Thunder in Paradise boat to the theater last night? What happened? Well, we got a call. Uh, you know, we're mercenaries. Right. Uh, there was a 9.30 showing of Cap 2 in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. So we uh, we hopped into Thunder. Uh, we took a canal, a little-known canal, mm-hmm. that runs right up to the uh, Lowe's Theater's. In Cherry Hill, New Jersey. It's in the back. Uh, at one point, we were running late, so we did that thing where where the boat glows, and then the top turns into a hash, and that means it's in super fast mode. I'm not familiar with that. Is that legal? And, Is that uh, street legal? Uh, it's, it's definitely not, an aftermarket modification uh, that we did to the boat. And uh, Thunder got us there with plenty of time, and we got some concessions. And uh, someone brought a four-year-old into a, a theater at nine thirty at night, and then uh, a gentleman who uh, had some kind of extra-large version of an iPad was taking selfies all night in the front corner. But despite that, uh, we genuinely enjoyed Captain America. Genuinely enjoyed. That's it. Genuinely that doesn't enjoyed. Sound high enough. Best yeah, Marvel so movie we made. We, we're getting we're going to get spoilers we're going to get spoiler heavy so if you want to shut off the show right now because i can't ensure that nothing will splurt out about See, like there's like two people that are the fireside even exists on this show nobody That's listens true. past the music i agree yeah so, so uh i i had gone to see it earlier that day in the cherry hill area another theater as a matter of fact it just so happens that my wife was bringing some family up to and we were going to go out to dinner and I was just going to drive follow them home and go home after dinner since I was already up that way and they were coming up we were supposed to come up for dinner anyway so Jonesy texts me it's like dude I just got permission is there any way that you can come out let's meet halfway somewhere and I'm like son of a b I'm as a matter of fact I am already halfway I am in the Cherry Hill area I was like, you need to text my wife and start get the ball rolling because she likes you more than me. I needled it. I needled it in there. Sounded <laughs> <laughs> so seductive. It's the way you're like so sleepy. And I needled it. Ugh. I needled it. I needled it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we made plans for the 930 show. I left a, a little bit early from Joe's Crab Shack dinner I was having and uh, I met him in Cherry Hill. In line. It, was, uh, it was great. I'm going to say that this equals the Avengers. Cap 2 equals the Avengers. I think it what surpasses. I, I think it surpasses right now. Really? Really? Yeah. yeah. All right. So top three favorite moments. Go. Uh, the scene, number one, the scene where Scar Joe is revealed to be the chick and she's wearing that sexy little number. Oh, yeah. Essie little scene. number is sexy allowed to be said on the show. Essie, nasty, nasty. Dale dropped jit about you know four minutes ago, so I'm sure we could say someone sexy. rattling a bottle for change. What is going on over there? What? I that's, think that's the that's score. That's me playing Black Widow's butt cheeks in her outfit. <laughs> but bongos. I'm gonna say one moment for me was just that entire. <laughs> Under Paradise Thief, that uh, that sick street fight between uh, Batrock and Cap on the ship in the beginning. 
need to strike it twice. This was in Captain America 2. <laughs> Spoilers. It's three and a half minutes long, and I could listen to the whole thing. Uh, what did Dale think? Outside of playing Scarjo's butt bongos. <laughs> It was a great, it was a great God GD movie. I mean, I I think it was so cool that they established that Captain America just isn't some crony of Shield. And I don't know if it was maybe too early in the Marvel in the movie you movie universe or or whatever. I just thought it was fantastic because it it worked. I mean, it's it's they made it so about Cap. And not the Avengers. You know, you wonder how, like, why don't, in every movie, they just don't call in every hero that, that is established. But it's thoroughly a cap. Like, the whole, I'm getting chills. The whole movie is, you could see, is a six or 12 issue arc of Captain America. There's strife within S.H.I.E.L.D. and Hydra, like, specifically a Captain America villain of sorts, is like, it has a sub cult within shield i mean it was in it was great and you know it's 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 topical now because of the trust issues and how you know uh, people see the government and and you know do they do they have too much power and stuff like that and you get corruption i, I don't know it was it was great and i love that black widow was in the movie full time she was she had just as much screen time as captain america i mean it, just because it's such a it was such like a shield centric movie and you know there was no like turmoil she, she was clearly on his side the whole time mm-hmm. and i don't know it was fantastic it was a fantastic movie would you One rate thing, it better than avengers i don't know i mean i avengers was so awesome maybe second or equal to avengers it's hard to compare because they're they're all their own thing but damn it was good i mean it was good i, I mean i at this point though like how yeah, the whole time Nick Fury's dead, you're thinking life model decoy, and they yeah, still haven't brought they still haven't brought it into play, which is pretty. They're like holding out for some. Maybe Sony like the, owns the rights to the phrase life model decoy. <laughs> yeah, maybe. The whole time I was actually just watching the trailer for Spider Man made me like angry that Marvel didn't know the rights to Spider Man. Oh, can, can you imagine like Avengers four, event movie Spider Man X Men, like. License. You it's, could literally just print out money from Marvel Studios right there. It's such a shame because Spider Man is, is like flagship Marvel. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. It's, it's completely the flagship. And he would, I mean, they would just make magic. Oh, man. And even if Sony would be like agreeing to some kind of um, deal with Marvel Studios. Like you give us a percentage of whatever Avengers versus Spider Man makes, and we'll just you do whatever the heck you want with the character. Carte blanche. They, they got to get to a point where they have to do that. I mean, what point is it about not confusing audiences and about making this really good Avengers movie? versus X Men as a real oh, life movie? Stop it. 
Stop it. <laughs> Jitting. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, I really, I, will I, tell you I really this. enjoyed it. Oh. I loved the Bucky stuff. I thought it was interesting that they called it the Winter Soldier. As this, why? Well, I, I mean, I don't know why they mm-hmm. did it, but you could have easily called it like Captain America: Rise of Hydra or some silly subtitle. Yeah, it was. I thought it was great that the Winter Soldier is like an eighth of the storyline. He's just mm-hmm. working for Hydra. It's, it wasn't. You know, they took Brubaker's premise and storyline, but there, it really wasn't about. It really wasn't the Winter Soldier storyline in the comic, but mm-hmm. it was still executed on fantastically. I mean, and they were able to like even the just the monologue from Black Widow about who he this mythical figure was. Like that was enough to catch people up on on what it was. Mm-hmm. <sighs> One thing Dale and I discussed uh, at the movies together post movie coital was uh it doesn't translate on the page like it does in the movie but just how bad a cap is at everything he does mm-hmm. i mean just that opening sequence on the on the boat where he is flinging a shield under people's feet and then has these crazy hand-to-hand skills oh, yeah. and he kicks some dude so hard like he like ricochets down the steps like so, this is the cap that can go to toe to toe, like with somebody like Loki, because he's like super trained, and everything is phenomenal about Cap in this movie. The shield's always moving, you know. They're not afraid to show us hardcore, gritty, hand to hand combat one scene, and then a man with flying wings, like five minutes later. I, I, Marvel just gets it right, mm-hmm. and Cap. Like, beyond Ultimate Cap, who is the best version of Cap. Fact. Marvel's cinematic Cap is number two. Hmm. Chris Evans just plays that guy to the T. Yeah, I was, I was uh, in that example, we were discussing about how this, I mean, they just do it right because the motion, the, 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 the scene I had specifically in mind was when Cap's escaping the Triskelion and the, and the, uh, the jet is like challenging him on the road, the bridge out. And Cap like throws his shield and and stops the the jet with his shield, and then he like jumps over. He puts slams on the brakes, jumps over the the jet, and takes his shield all in that motion. Like it, as cool as they get it in the in a still page, you just can't replicate that as well. Mm-hmm. Like the the movie is a perfect, and they they just do it perfectly. It just makes you think like God, this guy is amazing. Yeah. He manhandles a jet. Yeah. He just, you know what? This is going to work for me. I'm just going to push you around jet. And there was like amazing. <laughs> the halfway point of that movie, I, I tweeted about it after, but like we live in a world where Captain America 2 is a movie and it exists and we all saw it. And, and <sighs> I mean, the Falcon was in it and it worked. And the like Falcon, you, you I was amazed by the Falcon. You can't just do that. Like Marvel may, turned the Falcon into a believable on-screen character. Right. He didn't have the headband and the red and white outfit. It, w- I mean, they did it. An- they did it right for a movie. Mm-hmm. And he's. Fu- I mean, they had a great relationship. They're already establishing this friendship, which is fantastic. And uh, you know, the opening scene from you know them running around the ca- you know the Washington Monument and stuff. Just from there on, they're just establishing this great friendship. Uh, R.I.P. Agents of Shield. Uh, now that there is no shield, 
Uh, they're going to be uh, the agents of. That's it. That's what we're going to be called. Agents Just of. the agents Marvel's of. agents of. Yeah, I guess maybe like Avengers will be undercover for Age of Ultron. I don't know. I mean, the uh, like like Shield. Be. Maybe Shield's not even in it. Well, yeah, I would think that it's uh, Avengers Tower, sponsored by Tony Stark. No, uh, no Shield uh, involvement for Age of Ultron. I guess mm. I don't know. And then maybe they like they they might they have to start reestablishing Shield at some point. I don't know. I don't know. Would, would I don't Cap know stand for that? I don't know. Would Cap? You know? Would he settle for that? I like, think if he's convinced enough, I I don't know. Hour and sixteen right now. Oh man, we got <sighs> top three moments, yeah, Jesse. Top three moments. <laughs> Number one moment. Oh god, they're doing it now. They're doing it. They just did it. <laughs> All right, top three moments. Uh, I'm going to have to say the fight with Bat Rock in the beginning. Robert Redford, every scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, second was uh, the return to Campbell-E High, uh, where he has that flashback where he's the skinny Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. Arnold Zola was fantastic. Yeah. As a oh, computer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As a computer. And... Um, I will have to say I got chills when uh, Cap shows up in his uniform from World War II. That got to me. Top three scenes, Scar Joe, miniskirt, high heel reveal. Number two, the shoes that Cap and Scar Joe, Scar Joe were wearing that they stole to be undercover. I wanted those shoes. You sweating them? I wanted them. Bad. Number That's three. what they are. Number three. Robert Redford's scenes. Maybe one that juts out where he shot the maid. Oh, yeah. That was, I don't know if I could pick three. I don't know if I could pick three, guys. Uh, Batroc scene. Oh, fight great, scene. Great scene. Um, I don't know if I can do it. Elevator scene, great. Hmm. Before we start this, does anybody want to get off? I mean, come on. Come on. Your, pa- so, your I, pants shot across the movie screen. People <laughs> were wondering what was going on. It was like 3D. They landed, like, fluttered down like a flyer in front of the screen. Everybody's like, what's that? My it's a pair of pants fluttering down. It just, it was, it was, it was great. It was absolutely great. I mean, Great scene. And I had, there were so many moments where I wanted to like bubble, blubber up and cry. Like Tony, I call them Tony Soprano moments because I, there's these random times anymore that I just feel like I want to cry. Like when Tony Soprano's, the ducks land in his pool and he starts crying. Crying Jags. Yep. That's, there were so many scenes like that. And it's got, I think it's got, it's got a lot to do with the military and stuff. And I know he's Captain America and he's not, you know, he's not real soldier, but it just epitomizes like the American warrior and stuff like that it's there's a lot of scenes like that it's just beautiful the uh like his the uh the him in the smithsonian like the uh hit them honoring him in the smithsonian stuff was just a beautiful 
beautiful stuff. Captain America 2. Winter Soldier. <laughs> I think we should cut it there. Hour 20. Oof. Worth it. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in after Mania. 20 and 1 and 1. <laughs> I thought he pulled the draw. I'm sorry. 21 and 1. <laughs>